Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Sock Takes podcast sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm your host for this evening, Nipun Chopra, and joining me tonight are the two regular co-hosts, founder and managing director of Sock Takes, the Lanyard King, Lord Kevin Johnston. KJ, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Episode 50. Uh, I can't believe we made it this far. You know, been a great run. And it's a beautiful day in the heartland. Uh, glad to be here. Ready to knock out another uh, solid episode. Should we tell people that this is going to be our last ever episode? Because we're... Uh, <laughs> no, we'll save that for the end. Okay. Uh, and the man who needs no introduction at any alt-right rallies, Aaron Gunyan. Aaron, what's going on, man? <laughs> oh, man. I'm rattled already. That's really good. It is episode 50. I'm pumped to be here. It's it's fantastic. I'm really excited about uh, not just the Lanyard King, but the Lanyard Queen accepting her role That's and right. title on social media the other day. That was fantastic. <laughs> shout it's out not to about me. Yeah, shout out yeah. to Shill number one. Yeah, I lost my title, you know, the the wine glass in the lanyard. Who can beat that? So, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> my career's over. Well done, Chrissy. Um, so, as you guys, as our listeners know, we do cover lower division soccer rather broadly. All three of us have one thing in common, other than hating Aaron, which is we are Indy 11 supporters. Uh, therefore, for episode 50, we wanted to focus our attention back to Indy 11. Our listeners will know that in January of this year, the club joined the USL and started playing its home games at Lucas Oil Stadium. In order to discuss the current status and future plans for the club, we are joined by Indy 11 president Jeff Belskis. Jeff has a long history with Indiana, which includes his alma mater, Indiana State University, a long stint at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Corporation, and now at Indy 11. We're thrilled to have Jeff joining us. Jeff, welcome to the Sock Takes podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, hard to believe, but uh, I'm in my third season with Indy 11. It really has gone by pretty quickly, hasn't it? Uh, I remember being in attendance when you were introduced at the brewery down in uh, the in uh, the Mass Ave, well, not Mass Ave, the Fountain Square area, uh, and now here we are three years later. So we, it's taken us long enough, Jeff, to get you on the show, so we are thrilled that you were able to join us. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to join you as well. And I just reminded Brad Ring uh, out on the field when we were uh, celebrating his uh, his hundredth game that uh, he was the first player I met. And that happened to be at Flat 12 Brewery on uh, January 11th, 2016. Now, was he pounding a beer when you met him? That's what I need to know. <laughs> well, it was the off season, but uh, I don't happen to remember what anybody drank. So, <laughs> to be fair to Brad, I don't think he waits until the off season. He's done it on the pitch before, so uh, we we love Brad Ring on this show. So, um, Jeff wanted to start kind of um, with the lens of what has happened at the start of the season. Uh, obviously, we switched from the NASL to the USL in early January, as I had mentioned, and yourself, Martin Rennie. Um, you know, other coaching staff, including uh, Phil DeSantos, all of you guys uh, had to build this team and, and sign players within a very short amount of time. So can you tell us how, how the process of that was and how pleased are you with the players you ended up signing? Yeah, uh, what an incredible offseason we had. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we uh, frankly... Um, you know, through the holidays and, and into early January, I wasn't sure there was going to be an Indy 11 in uh, 2018. And 
or there might have been an Indy 11, but but we may not have played a game. And of course, uh, you know, much of that relates to the, the you know the status of the NASL and what was happening there. And it was just a real, real challenging time for everybody. Challenging for our front office. Challenging for our ownership. Challenging for me, me personally. And uh, um, but. Uh, you know, so uh, I actually uh, hired uh, Martin Rennie on January 10th, um, uh, and this actually came up in another context, is how I know that uh, I signed his contract on January 10th, and he and Trevor James went to work on uh, on assembling a team, and and I have to say that uh, uh, it is just, it, it, from where I sit, it is remarkable what they were able to accomplish in a very short period of time. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're very appreciative to Trevor for, you know, his contribution. He made very significant contributions to that process. And, and of course, uh, Martin, you know, played, uh, played the number one role and, and, uh, in terms of assembling this team. And while we, uh, we don't think we've seen our best, uh, best days on the field or on the pitch. Uh, and, uh, but, um, uh, I have a, I, I have uh, high expectations about this team, and and uh, for us to uh, have accomplished what we did in such a short period of time is just truly amazing. It really is. And and before we get to another question, you brought up Trevor James, and um, I'm curious. Uh, so so first of all, totally agree. He he did a fantastic job for us. I'm curious if the club has any contact with him, any relation with him now, now that he's stepped away. Or maybe the possibility of bringing him back because, as you said, he did have such an important role in the scouting and signing of a, a bulk of this team. Yeah. So you know, um, I have um, uh, so much respect for Trevor, and and as I said, I'm so appreciative uh, uh, to him for for uh, the work he did. And um, we do not have any formal contact with him. All of the contact we have is. You know, he continues to be a friend. He continues to, you know, we know him. He knows us, and and so it's all uh, informal contact at this point. And um, so, uh, um, you know, uh, no, uh, we're not looking to add to our technical staff at this point, and and uh, feel that um, you know we're we're where we need to be at this point. But uh, um, certainly, if uh, if something changes along the way trevor's going to be you know at the top of our list in terms of folks that uh, that we're going to be calling and to uh, rewind that back even a step farther before rennie came aboard uh what qualities did uh you and the rest of your, your staff see in rennie during the the interview process that made you want to choose him to be the next head coach of the indy 11 yeah so so it's uh, it's rather interesting to me, given uh, given where how this team has performed, because uh, uh, frankly, uh, uh, well, so he's uh, Martin Rennie has been a winner uh, everywhere he's gone, and uh, um, you know he uh, you know North Carolina, Cleveland, uh, uh, he 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 in, uh, has had much success, and you know is a very experienced coach, um, so. Uh, uh, we, you know, just uh, his experience combined with just, you know, he's, you know, if you've met him on a personal level, his personal skill sets are uh, incredible. You know, he's he's a, he's a very good person and very enjoyable to talk to, and and uh, um, you know, those all, uh, you know, 
at, at the end of the day, we're looking to um, field a team that uh, uh, is fun to watch, that's competitive, and um, you know of, of, of uh, high character. And uh, we were confident that that uh, Martin would bring all those things to us. And I'm curious to know um, what has been the feedback so far from supporters regarding the game day experience at Lucas Oil. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know that's uh, 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 from coaching to a venue, and from league change to venue change, uh, coaching change, team change. I mean, we've seen so many incredible, uh, such a large amount of change in such a short period of time. But uh, you know, uh, Lucas Oil is uh, you know it's very fan friendly. I mean, it's a very comfortable stadium. It's a tier one stadium. Matter of fact, it's. Uh, uh, just today, I uh, late today received some uh, feedback from the USL regarding our uh, team, team operations. Uh, you know how how uh, the feedback they're getting from the other teams. You know everyone loves playing in Lucas Oil. It's climate controlled, um, and uh, uh, the feedback from the fans has has uh, has, has has been great. Um, you know, it's a very comfortable stadium. We have permanent restrooms. We have permanent cooking facilities. You know, it's just um, you, you can't ask for a, for a better uh, uh, stadium situation. Uh, 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 so we're, we're just very pleased uh, uh, about that. That. Uh, hey, Jeff, this is Aaron. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> hey. That uh, game day experience that you talk about is important, and it's obviously a main focus for you and for the team. A question that I've had uh, that maybe could use a little clarification at this point regarding the deal with the uh, Capital Improvement Board and and the relationship that you have at Indy 11 and Lucas Oil Stadium and the Capital Improvement Board. Um, and then just a, a fun fact I would like to know, if you have this number off the top of your head, how many game day staff does it take to open the doors for Lucas Oil for an Indy 11 match? <laughs> um, well, uh, uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head how many people it takes. <laughs> um, what I would tell you is that we've seen such a uh, wide range on attendance this year that uh, Though ranging from our you know home opener March 31st against Cincinnati, where we set a you know a club record for attendance, and uh, uh, you know down to a couple of these Wednesdays have you know it it's been in in the you know 8,000 range that we've announced, and and um, you know uh, so it's it's you know uh, more than uh, you know 8,000 to 17,000 more than 100% fluctuation and. And I know uh, Lucas Oil has worked very hard, the folks at Lucas Oil, to uh, staff appropriately in terms of, you know, not overstaffing. And, and, uh, and, and of course, we're, we're, you know, we're very appreciative of that because it's, it definitely affects the costs that all of us are incurring uh, in, in that situation. But, no, I do not know the uh, exact numbers off the top of my head. You mentioned FC Cincinnati, and that brings me to a question that I have they have achieved something that I think is a stated goal of Indy 11, which is getting their bid accepted and uh, they're on their way to MLS. It's something that you have said 
is a target goal for for you and for Indy Eleven. So, what have they done right, and then what have what have they done that you or the team can emulate going forward? Yeah, you know the um, the MLS uh, uh, is evaluating, you know, whether it be Nashville, Cincinnati, the two they've accepted, or us or Detroit or Sacramento or any of the other applicants uh, for, for the expansion through the lens of, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the market, the ownership and the stadium. And, uh, you know, the stadium situation, fr- frankly, when, when I look at our situation, what has really negatively impacted us the most is our stadium situation. Uh, you know, Carroll Stadium just really is, you know, it's not acceptable for Division I uh, standards, was probably, truth be known, minimally acceptable for Division II. Um, and uh, just because of the temp- so much of the temporary nature of, of what was there, um, you know, we made the most of it. And uh, uh, Carroll made for, for, for a good home for our first, uh, what, four seasons. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it just really left a lot of room for improvement. But um, MLS, you know, they want they want uh, purpose-built stadiums in urban settings, and um, uh, certainly Lucas Oil does not meet that uh, criteria. While while Lucas Oil is one of the finest stadiums in this uh, country, you know, it's built. So let, you know, truth be known, I mean, we all recognize it's built for NFL football. It's not built for soccer, and. Um, so, you know, I think, I think looking at, you know, the Nashville situation, looking at the Cincinnati situation, you know, until we can figure out this stadium situation, you know, I think we're going to continue to be uh, uh, a long shot without a stadium uh, uh, as it relates to MLS. The Indianapolis market is fabulous. The Indianapolis market has shown its support for, uh, for us, for Indy 11. Um, we have good ownership in place. Ursal is is passionate. He's committed. Um, you know, so I, I'm. Uh, uh, we have other investors. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that that uh, are are willing to invest. Um, uh, so you know, we we just uh, we we check those boxes. But really, it's the stadium situation that that that, uh, uh, that really needs some work, frankly. So, Jeff, um, let's talk about that stadium situation. I think there's, it's, an, it's a well-known fact that one of the big reasons you were brought into uh, Indy 11 was your experience negotiating with, uh, with the government and with city and with Indianapolis, given your extensive experience in sports in Indianapolis. Uh, and uh, you'll have to excuse my candor, because you know I've asked you this question one directly. Do you think we are any closer to a stadium now than we were when you first took over as president of Indy 11? Yeah, you know, I would uh, unfortunately say that uh, we haven't made the progress I would have hoped to have made. And, uh, you know, that's, um, uh, you know, I can point to a variety of factors uh, in that regard, but, uh, you know, and, and uh, but, but uh, you know, it's been a, been a very difficult uh, situation for us uh, from that perspective and and uh, um, you know having said that we continue to uh, the mayor's office is supportive uh, certain members of the legislature are, are supportive um, you know we continue to have those conversations and continue to work on it and um, but uh, um, we're not where I, w- I would like to have, have seen us at this point certainly 
how would you rate our chances of getting in? To put it in a more, you know, understandable way, how would you rate our chances on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being stadium is done, 1 being no chance in hell, uh, of Indy 11 getting a soccer-specific stadium built? You know, we're, we're still at, I don't know, 4, 5, 6 sort of order of okay. uh, magnitude. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're mi- you know, middle range. Um, you know, the, the, the uh, folks aren't saying no to us, but they aren't saying yes either. And, uh, and it's been a very interesting uh, challenge, in some respects challenging conversation, because they aren't saying yes, but they aren't saying no. And, uh, and well, what, so, are they, what are the reasons why they are hesitating? Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, it's very interesting to me because uh, I, w- I would say we see this, uh, you know, nationwide. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen it in, in St. Louis. We've seen it in San Diego. We've seen it in, I, you know, go on and on with uh, 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 stadium projects are just not real popular. And um, so it's, um, you know, I think for, for many of our uh, friends in the legislature, uh you know, they, they get concerned about, you know, showing support for something that, uh, that, uh, is controversial and, or can be controversial. And they, I think they worry about, uh, those sorts of reactions. And, uh, so, you know, that's, uh, again, it's, 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 it's not no, but it's not yes either. You spoke already a little bit about Lucas Oil not being the ideal, you know, stadium for soccer. I'm curious to know your thoughts on um, a good kind of comparison case we could make is our, our sister city, Detroit, up north. Uh, they, you know, they made that final four um, to be named the next two MLS cities. And one thing they kind of did, it was sort of a last minute um, hurrah, if you will. But public support was waning for their um, soccer specific stadium. And they basically... Um, I guess as a last resort, tied in the, the local NFL stadium into their bid. And by all accounts, um, it immediately bumped them to the back of the line. Even recently in Cincinnati, when they were announced uh, a week, what was just a week ago, um, Garber even spoke then, and someone asked a nice question about the Detroit situation, and he said, yeah, that immediately bumped them to the back of the line. Um, and everyone seems to rag on them for doing that. But uh, one thing I want to give like a little bit of credit to Detroit for is that, you know, it's better to be at least in the line, even if you're in their back of the line, at least they're in the line. So it obviously was a, a desperation move, not ideal. And Garber has said uh, time and time again that, you know, having the stadium and the financing is the most important thing. So I'm curious to know if you've, Jeff, if you've ever just thought about saying, you know what, let's just try to tie Lucas Oil into the bid permanently, or if, no, it's got to be the soccer-specific stadium? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good question. In our uh, application, we did identify uh, Lucas Oil Stadium as an alternative. And, and uh, uh, for those, uh, you know, listeners that are familiar with the process or any of the, you know, each league wants you to have a primary stadium and a backup stadium. And, uh, and we have all along uh, identified... Uh, uh, and, and certainly in our, our MLS conversations, uh, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium as a, uh, a potential backup site. But we've also said that we don't view that as, uh, uh, frankly, the uh, ideal situation. 
you know, Lucas Oil Stadium, as I said, was built for NFL football. It seats 67,000, um, you know, and uh, uh, it just it is uh, uh, challenging to operate. And, you know, Indianapolis is a mid-tier market. Um, you know, we we in our the work we've done with the, the various consultants that we've been associated with, you know, feel like, um, you know, MLS average attendance is, you know, depending on, you know, whose numbers you want to read, 20 something, you know, 21, 22, 23,000 average attendance, you know, Indianapolis is probably there in terms of, you know, a 20,000 seat sort of situation. And, and uh, so even then, when you look at a, at a, at a 67,000 seat Lucas Oil Stadium, that's, that's less than, that's less than ideal. And, and unfortunately, what you're seeing is that, and you're seeing, you know, with us that, you know, you get, 8,000 people at a game, it looks empty. And right. in lower division soccer, that's a strong number. And uh, so, yeah, we've always identified Lucas Oil Stadium as a as a, a backup, as an alternative. You know, MLS is keenly aware that it exists and it's out there and, and now keenly, you know, aware that we're playing our games there. But, um, but we've never, we've never envisioned that as, as, uh, as the best result uh, 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 for us. And before the show, we talked about how uh, time kind of flies and it's already your, your third year as president of the Indy 11. So uh, first of all, congrats on your tenure. Um, it, the question I have is you mentioned even your first time at flat 12 or you made a couple uh, other team appearances and I was at a few of those and you seem you were very forthright from the jump that you're not a quote-unquote soccer guy you know and everyone kind of knew you were from um, you know racing and you know supporters I think respected how you know candid you were and upfront about that is it has it been hard to shed that label kind of as not being a traditional quote-unquote soccer guy and now that you're in year three do you feel that you are becoming that soccer guy? <laughs> well, it's certainly been an educational couple of years. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, I've, I've certainly, uh, I've, I've enjoyed it, uh, uh thoroughly. And, um, you know, I actually, uh, in, in thinking about, you know, questions I might get tonight, you know, certainly, uh, one of the things I anticipated possibly was questions about, you know, players and personnel selection and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, you know, I uh, um, while I'm not the soccer guy, I didn't play soccer. I didn't grow up with soccer. You know, I'm I'm much more the business guy. I understand how to run a, a, a sports uh, an entertainment sort of business. And um, uh, but you know, I, in an interesting sort of way, I'm not the racing guy either. You know, I I've never driven a race car professionally. Okay, and and uh, didn't grow up. Uh, 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 aspiring to be a race car driver and you know yet having said that we had you know many years of great success at the indianapolis motor speedway and, and the indycar series and and uh, accomplished many things that, that i'm very proud of um and uh, so you know i've learned a lot about uh, the game i appreciate the game i admire uh, the athletes i admire the game and uh, certainly understand many things now that i didn't uh, three years ago um, so, uh, yet having said that, you know, I depend on the, the, the Martin Rennies of the world and the Trevor James of the world and, and the Philip DeSantos of the world in terms of their judgment and, 
and their expertise and, and their experience uh, with evaluating uh, uh, players, evaluating uh, um, you know needs needs for the team, and and uh, um, you know while I certainly I watch games now and I have an opinion and uh, don't hesitate to express that opinion. <laughs> you know, I, I recognize that uh, they have much more experience than I do in that regard. So, uh, so I, I love the game. I admire the game and uh, uh, actually um, have a, a friend, a colleague, friend, uh, 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 Dr. Jeff Harper, you may know him uh, who, uh, He's a professor at Indiana State University and, and uh, uh, spent uh, the end of 2017 and early 2018 traveling in Europe and, you know, attended uh, four, I think, uh, uh, matches at, you know, major European um, uh, venues in, in, in uh, the UK and in, in uh, Spain. And I, uh, uh, in an odd sort of way, look forward to putting a trip like that together for myself mm-hmm. and uh, uh, having an opportunity to do something like that. And, and uh, so, you know, four if you're, if ago, you're going to be I the, would've... if you're willing to be the benefactor, I know three guys who would be happy to get on that plane with you. And yeah. Show you around. I'll tell you where to go. <laughs> okay. Well, <Just> saying. <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't mind uh, uh, my wife, Debbie, tagging along, that's great. It's <laughs> fine with that. Yeah. She's lovely. <laughs> Jeff, you downplay and you kind of, uh, you're a little humble about your, your race car career. You say you're not a racing guy or you never drove professionally, but you're talking about the greatest spectacle in racing, the racing capital of the world. And I think you do it a disservice by not acknowledging you've rubbed elbows and shaken hands with what Al Unser Jr., um, Mario Andretti, AJ Foyt. Please don't pretend like you're not a racing guy. That's insulting. I've lived in Indianapolis my whole life. Um, we we thank you for everything that you've ever done for the Motor Speedway. But let's talk about Indy 11. And you say you're putting on your fan hat now. There was a big game a week ago. Indy 11 managed to draw three to three and it kind of felt like a loss a little bit. So I wonder what do you do in that moment in the dying, dying seconds of the game when a tying goal comes in, when you know victory has just been stolen. So what do you say to yourself there? (laughs) So, um, you know, I You're on the record, by the way. This is this is going to be this is public record. But go ahead. I understand. No, I felt very much the same way you felt. I, you know, it was a draw that uh, I felt like we should have won that, and and I was disappointed. And uh, you know, I haven't um, uh, heard Martin Rennie say this, but I'm guessing Martin felt the same way that uh, he would he he was he wanted three points, and and uh, um, you know, so um, uh, you know, I. Uh, but I was, uh, yeah, at that point, you know, I'm watching the game and, and uh, uh, hoping for, for the, the three points. And, of course, um, you know, we, 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 did, we didn't get them. Um, but, you know, it's a long season. And let's remember that, what are we, 11 games into this season of a 30, what, 6, 37-game schedule, 36-game schedule, I think. And, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a long season. So we're, we're barely a third of the way through. And. And, um, you know, I, we, we have a lot of talent on this team and 
we've had some unfortunate injuries, uh, you know, and um, we've had a real tough uh, first part of the schedule here in terms of uh, the strength of schedule. We, you know, um, uh, have played uh, most of the, most of the leaders in the Eastern Conference, and and um, you know, I uh, not that our schedule is going to get that much easier, but. Uh, uh, because every you know every game is important and every game is a challenge, but uh, um, you know I I think there are good things ahead for this team. And, and as a matter of fact, we were uh, um, you know our Andy Piggish, our game day operations uh, director, and and I met with the Lucas Oil Stadium folks today about uh, 2019 scheduling and about playoffs for uh, 2018 and and what you know stadium availability and and it was interesting because you know we're 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 a couple of points out from being in the top eight and, and, um, with, you know, well, almost two, th- what, more than two thirds of the season left to play. And most of the season we've been in the top eight and, and, uh, you know, you have to get in that top four to host a game, but, uh, uh, host a first round playoff game. Um, but, you know, we're, we're telling the Lucas oil stadium folks that, um, you know, our expectation is we're going to be in the playoffs and, and uh, that we've got a good team with a lot of talent and, and uh, you know, barring, I mean, unusual things can happen. People can get hurt and, and uh, um, you know, it, it can go in an unexpected direction. But, uh, um, you know, but I know we have we have we have a very talented, capable group of players that uh, and, and a very talented, capable coach, experienced coaching staff. And and we're going to be very competitive uh, uh, throughout the rest of this year. So. Yeah, I flip-flop. I'm wishy-washy sometimes on how much leeway to give a coach based on injuries and and how teams need time to gel. This team is very talented on paper. I think a lot of people are very excited about the roster. I don't think there's anything to worry about with the talent that's been assembled. Injury bug has been out there, you know, last year similarly, an injury bug got a hold of Indy 11 and there were desperation signings mid season to make sure there were enough players, even on the bench, probably to meet league standards in the NASL. I know that the coach is trying to do the best he can. I know that the professional team is trying to get wins out there, but it, it seems like there have been a few missed opportunities, which segues to my question. And you were talking about stadium venue hosting for the last two seasons, Indy 11 has not been able to host its opening round match in U.S. Open Cup. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Why is this happening? What is this decision-making process? And obviously with two losses to amateur teams in back-to-back seasons, that completely removes the possibility of hosting later on. So uh, uh, with the missed opportunities theme there, what is the – what is the thought process? Why why does Indy Eleven choose not to host in the U.S. Open Cup? Um, I was going. I was starting to say that uh, both 2016 and, or excuse me, 2017, 2018, they were not conscious decisions on our part to not host. Uh, well, excuse me, 2018. Um, what happened to us in in uh, both situations in 2017? We missed the filing deadline to host the uh, first round of the Open Cup. So it was really an administrative screw-up on our part. And then in 2018, 
because of the scheduling at Lucas Oil Stadium, Lucas Oil told us that they didn't have any available time slots. So basically, we had a situation with no stadium availability. And then I guess if I can follow up, do you feel that that's a missed opportunity in order to progress? One of the things that I have said recently is that it would be a fantastic buzz, a fantastic draw for Indy 11 to be able to host a major league soccer team, especially at Lucas Oil Stadium, considering you know how much, I, I always talk about FC Cincinnati, but how much buzz they got by being able to host both uh, the Columbus Crew and Chicago Fire last summer. I know that there was a scheduling problem that prevented it, but it still feels kind of like that missed opportunity scenario. So what, what do you do to address that? that lost marketing potential. Yeah. You know, it, it just remember, I completely agree with you in terms of it, it's a lost opportunity. Um, and, uh, uh, the, the, the way we make money. So my business guy hat comes on is through having games and hosting games. And so, um, stop that makes are, too much sense. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we are highly motivated to, uh, have games and to host games. And, uh, so, um, so we're always looking for those opportunities, um, you know, and, uh, I think that, uh, you know, for, for 2019, for example, you know, to the extent that Lucas oil stadium is not available, um, you know, we need to de- develop some, uh, some alternative plans. And matter of fact, have even been, I've, I've been talking to the folks up at grand park and William Knox, the executive director, uh, because of what they're involved with uh, uh, in terms of uh, the Indianapolis Colts and hosting the the uh, uh, the uh, training camp, that uh, they're being required to build some grandstands up there, that it actually could be a suitable site for us uh, to uh, uh, host, say, an Open Cup game up at Grand Park, should Lucas Oil Stadium not be available. So, uh, Jeff, I wanted to go back to... a. So I have a couple of questions. One's kind of a personal one for you, uh, uh, following up on something you had said at the start of the podcast, and then a larger one uh, about the team. The personal one I have, you you talked about the how difficult the last end of last season, and I'm going to stretch this out to saying the end of the 2016 season as well, was for you personally in terms of not knowing where the team was. And you mentioned that you weren't sure there was going to be an Indy 11. I'd like to ask you, how was it for you personally, beyond the business part of it, uh, as someone who's learning the game and learning how passionate supporters are, what was that for you personally, dealing with the knowledge that you held something in your hand that is uh, loved and uh, and delicate in some way? Yeah. You know, I, um, uh, I feel a great sense of responsibility and a great sense of responsibility to our uh, to our ownership group, to our, our uh, front office, our employees, um, you know, to this community and to the soccer fans, uh, most importantly. And, uh, you know, I'm finding out firsthand just how difficult this lower division soccer uh, stuff can be in terms of teams coming and going and, and living on from year to year and competing on from year to year. And, um, you know, ironically enough, I, I had the good fortune of traveling uh, earlier this year to uh, Italy. And when I got on the airplane, we flew out of JFK. There was a New York Times article there um, or a, a newspaper. And in there, in the sports section, I'm flipping through it. It's about a, uh, 
lower division um, uh, team in in uh, the Netherlands that uh, had experienced some some financial difficulty and almost went out of business. And it it uh, the article uh, talked about how how the team was saved in the last minute. And and uh, you know I it, it really uh, brought home to me a lot of you know while while you know, it's very unfortunate what's happened with the NASL. It's very unfortunate with the uncertainty that was created. But even in spite of that, in areas of, of the world, in Europe even, where where soccer is, you know, the number one sport and and uh, uh, clearly clearly the leader, it's some of the lower division teams continue to struggle with those sorts of issues from year to year with, uh, you know, are we going to be around next season or not? And so... Um, you know, it was a very challenging situation for us. I'm very I'm appreciative and thankful for Saul that uh, his vision, his willingness to invest, you know, and, uh, you know, hope folks in this community understand the, 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 the huge uh, uh, commitment he has made and the investment he has made and uh, the effort he's putting forward to uh, make success, soccer uh, uh, keep soccer as a part of this community and to make soccer successful in this community. And, and, uh, were it not for that, uh, there would not be a, a Indy 11 in, uh, 2018. So that's a perfect transition to my second question, which is about the, the club. Um, you're talking about Ursal and Ursal did an interview with an excellent, uh, local writer here in Indianapolis named Adam Wren. Uh, he wrote an article talking, uh, where he interviewed Ursal and Ursal told him how, uh, troubled well not troubled but how difficult it was financially for the team and how much money he had put into the team um so let me ask you a pointed question um what is the future of indy 11 if the mls bid does not materialize yeah you know um uh we are um going to work with uh uh, you know, as a part of the MLS uh, bid, the MLS process, we we have uh, uh, loosely assembled uh, potential investors um, to uh, come on board and, and share some of the risk that that Ursal is sharing. Um, we continue to pursue that and and uh, you know uh, expect to uh, be able to put that together. That. Uh, will be helpful to securing this team's future uh, uh, here in Indianapolis. Um, you know, and and that's not to say that Ursal uh, uh, can't do it on his own, because I believe he can, and, and we've seen he has. And he'll continue, by the way. He, he is, you know, he's the 100% owner of this team. He's going to continue to be uh, uh, the controlling uh, uh, owner of this team. And uh, but, you know, we, we, we continue to look for uh, others that that f share his vision, share his passion and uh, can bring resources to the table uh, to, to help secure uh, the future for Indy 11. So as things stand from your perspective, do you see Indy 11 uh, being a professional club uh, at whatever division two level uh, for the next three years? You know, I think that's likely. I think that, uh, um, you know, we, we've made a commitment to the uh, USL that uh, is a multi-year commitment. And um, I, you know, I'll have to say that I'll be surprised if uh, if there's not a, you know, looking, what, three years out. I mean, you're talking the 
2020 season if there's not an Indy 11 competing in 2020 in, in the USL. Okay, so uh, this is our uh, my final question. Uh, Jeff, we really appreciate you taking all this time, uh, giving us all this time today. Um, so this is a question that, you know, we've, a lot of us have complained about, and I, I think I think you've learned pretty quickly that the Indy 11 community, uh, we are full of complainers uh, because we, we do care about this club. Um, there's, there's a feeling amongst the fans that at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, uh, player exits, as in players that didn't come back, those exits were not handled appropriately. Um, how do you respond to that? Yeah, you know, I... Um... I, I think that's uh, um, unfortunate that uh, uh, I think in, a, in certainly one case I'm thinking of in particular, we seem to have some misunderstanding and, and uh, it's a player that, that you know, I respect uh, greatly and, and uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm who I've always liked and I respect and, and I, I feel badly uh, uh, that we would have a misunderstanding. So. You know, there's, there's, uh, um, uh, you know, it, uh, we went through this process at the end of 2017 that, you know, not being sure there was going to be a 2018, um, we did all we could to minimize uh, uh, our commitments, minimize uh, um, even to some extent our, our uh, front office situation. I, I, I think uh, Kevin can attest to uh you know, as, as uh, we were interviewing for some positions, um, you know, we delayed some decisions because uh, uh, because we didn't, you know, we, we, we didn't want to make, you know, hire someone and, you know, some short period of time later have to tell them that, you know, this no longer exists. And, and that's just how uncertain of a situation we had. And uh, so I, uh, looking back on it, um, uh, we could have done a better job should have done a better job in communicating uh regarding some of those player transitions and uh you know i take responsibility for that and um uh, so uh, it's it's uh it's it you know i feel badly about it and i take responsibility for it and you know we've uh, we've we've strengthened our situation we've learned from that and i don't expect that to uh, happen in the future well i think it I think we all appreciate, uh, I definitely do, and I think I speak for the boys, we appreciate your being able to take uh, criticism. It's something I have uh, talked to you about one-on-one -on -one as well, and you've told me you don't take things personally, and I appreciate that about you. So we appreciate you being coming in here and kind of letting us rant and rave at you uh, because we know it would be, it's much easier to just avoid this conversation. So, so we do appreciate that. Well, thank you. And uh, um, I don't know if that was truly your final uh, uh, question or not, but what I was going to say is yeah. uh, uh, listening to some of your prior uh, podcasts that uh, I think it was number 48 that you were looking forward to having something, someone special for number 50. And <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think you accomplished that. So. <laughs> I think we certainly did. I think these were, these are questions. No comment. <laughs> I think these are questions, Jeff, that, that, uh, not only the three of us, but many within the Indy 11 supporter base have had. And uh, I think there, uh, again, I've shared this with you personally as well, that there needs to be uh, more access and more communication uh, 
from the front office to the fans because you know we all want all of us want this exact same thing which is for this club to succeed uh and uh you know we appreciate you you joining us and um gentlemen should we say anything else before we uh wrap up the show my final thought is is basically some of the business goings on of of lower division soccer is unknown territory so there there tends to be a lot of speculation people just making up answers when there are none to fill right, just, void. just if you want to throw me under the bus just you know say my name Aaron Gunyan I say will so. subtweet you <laughs> I will live subtweet you whatever that means my point is it is important for people like you Jeff to to come into the lines den and even though I don't think we were that hard hitting today but it is important to give a real perspective of what it's like in the front office and the day-to-day operations and and we all know and and many people speculated that it that it was close but to hear an honest you know frank conversation about it about how close the the doors were to being shut or the, and the lights turned off permanently it's it was a real thing and and for Indy 11 to be on the other side of that in USL now seemingly the ship has been stabilized, and we, we've got, according to the quote, we've got you on record three years of, of party time <laughs> remaining. So the clock is ticking, I guess. And I, my point is, thank you. Well, well, I'm, 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 I appreciate that, Aaron. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, those uh, three years, just remember I said I would be surprised. And uh, so, no, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's set in stone now. It's set in stone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Normally, I would say this came from a, from a, an anonymous source, but you've literally said this, Jeff. So now it's set in stone and cannot be I don't changed. No, how else Actually, to say it? we're going to misconstrue this? Yeah. Well, and, Actually, I, you know, I, to bring a serious side to the conversation, one of the things we deal with regularly just relates to, you know, are you guys going to be here next year? Are you going to keep playing? Right. right. And I, I, I say this, to, you know, now, uh, and, uh, yes, we are going to be here and we are going to keep playing. And uh, so, um, you know, don't underestimate or Saul Ozdemir and don't underestimate me and, and uh, you know th- this this will be a uh, uh, a commercial success has been a commercial success is going to continue to be a commercial success and and um, you know but we need fans we need uh, folks to support us and and uh, so you know uh, tickets continue to be our lifeblood tickets continue to be our number one revenue source and we need fans to come out and support us and uh, so uh, anytime you have an opportunity to deliver that message it's going to be helpful to us. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Buy those tickets. Uh, Jeff, we really appreciate you joining us. Can we plug any social media for you, or do you really not want to be bothered? <laughs> <laughs> well, feel free to, you know, I'm on social media, and you know I'm, how inept I am at it. So, uh, you know, feel free to, to plug me if you care to. <laughs> Absolutely. If you want to follow Jeff, you can find him on Twitter at Indy11. That's the number 11 underscore Jeff. And that's where you can find him. You can find our podcast at Sock Takes. Uh, you can find Aaron at your local uh, right-wing uh, white supremacist <laughs> rally. Uh, KJ will be uh, probably going to Columbus yeah. next week. And um, you can find him on social yeah. media as well. Yeah. Also, the- quick thanks to our sponsor. Sorry to interrupt. Roughneck Scarves. <laughs> official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. 
Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. What a shield. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This was episode 50 of the Sock Takes Pod.